I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the Vegemite. It's my Marmite. He's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, how are you? I'm very good. I realise I don't have much to update you on in terms of uh, life ex- life's activities, but I have got the new FM, and I'm, I'm very busy on that. Justin, you've got a new microphone. You need to, you know, report this to the public as well. I bought a new mic after about... 18 months of Ryan badgering me to buy a new mic mm. and it's and and you not actually badgering me anymore is genuinely an absolute godsend well here's a lesson to you if you do things sooner after I ask you to do them <laughs> then I don't badger you as much have you ever thought about that I just like annoying you it's the best thing ever it's a it's a, it's a catch-22 situation you're not on my case anymore and I don't get to piss you off anymore Ugh, you know charming Really charming. Well, hopefully people will be able to tell the difference in just in sound quality now because we won't have to turn you up to oblivion um, and it won't have that horrible hissing sound that usually comes with your end of the microphone. Um, So hopefully there's a positive, ladies and gentlemen, that you'll notice with this podcast. But it is the number one championship specific podcast, ladies and gentlemen, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Because it's an international break, we're doing a QA and a this week. That's what's taking up the first half of the show. In the second half, we'll go through some of the news from the past few days, including Steve Morrison being appointed the new Cardiff boss and Derby being deducted to the full 21 points we'll delve straight into those after we've done the Q&A and then we'll finish off with a little game at the end it's not Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight it's not the Craig Bryson pub quiz it's a new one that I have concocted and I'm very interested to see how Justin gets on with it but uh, Justin we'll kick off with the Q&A if that's all right with you um We'll start off with a question we always get asked when we do a Q&A, and it's about parachute payments, unsurprisingly. Our friends at the Bristol City Podcast, three peeps in a podcast, ask, what alternatives are there to parachute payments to make it a more level playing field? Justin, your thoughts? It's a great question. I'll probably change my answer every time we get asked it, but... Um... Yeah, the alternative to parachute payments is a fairer distribution of money. So, for example, when a when a parachute team goes up, that money then gets redistributed to Premier League sides. Why shouldn't that get distributed? Why why can't they distribute that to Championship sides, for example? Um, and obviously, that the sums of money as well that get distributed to those teams that are uh, that have been relegated from the Premier League are huge sums of money that again probably could do with filtering down into the leagues because the more they filter down into the leagues, I think the more 
the, the better quality of coaching and better quality of players they're going to attract to the leagues because teams can afford them. Um, it's it, it's going to benefit everybody if the money trickles down. And I just think a better distribution of their wealth is probably a better alternative to just lumping three teams with as much money as they want. Yeah, I think before the pandemic, I wasn't completely opposed to parachute payments. I could see why they were needed, but with well, we could see how Fulham did in the summer where they came down from the Premier League, spent £12 million on Harry Wilson. I don't care if it's being paid for next year. They spent £12 <laughs> million on Harry Wilson and then £6 million on Rodrigo Muniz. So that's, what, £19 million there nearly yeah. that's been spent on two players while the rest of the championship is, you know, scratching around on the floor trying to pick up anything they can. So I, I yeah. think this that this summer has really shown that parachute payments need to be scrapped as soon as possible. Um, and you're quite right in saying that the best way to do it is to fairly distribute the money out, not just to the championship, but to the whole football league and probably beyond that as well. Um, the, the amount of money that's being splashed around in the Premier League at the moment is, you know, it's ridiculous compared to how much she's going around in the championship. If the championship is getting more money, then it's fairer for all, all involved and, Clubs won't have to worry about the big divide that they'll have mm-hmm. to conquer if they if they do get relegated from the Premier League. Um, so that's the only way I can see it happening. Will it happen? I don't know because I think the Premier League clubs, are, as we'll get into the news later on, are very you know adamant that they want to keep on hold of this money because obviously they do because they're greedy. Um, but it's the only <laughs> way I can see this being evened out that the the football league and the rest of English football gets. I know 25%, I think, is the figure that was banded around before, yeah. wasn't it? Uh, that, that's the only way I can see it working because there's no other way for the divide to be there. Because if, if, if it doesn't get sorted out, then the Premier League will become a league where no one gets relegated. And we were all, mm-hmm. you know, hissing at the European Super League <laughs> not long ago, saying, well, a league where no one gets relegated is ridiculous. But we could yeah. very well end up in a situation soon where the teams who get relegated every season go straight back up the season afterwards. And there will be the odd team every so often who mm. does get promoted from the Championship because the rest of the time it will just be made up of relegated sides. So something's got to be done. It's got to happen soon. Otherwise... English football is really going to suffer and it's going to, you know, not just harm uh, the championship, but the whole of English football, in my opinion. Um, Anything else you want to add on that? I was just going to say that that divide is an important thing. I don't think parachute payments should be eradicated because teams coming from the top league have top league salaries. um, So they do have to have that element of parachuting down as, as they're meant to do but that divide that huge divide between the Premier League and the Championship is only there because of that disparity of wealth um, so you look at Fulham for example when they first went up a couple of seasons ago on Ikanovic they spent 100 million something like that you know they brought in the likes of um, Jean-Michael Serri I think he was part of that transfer window Andre yeah. Schurter on loan real real you know a huge amount of money being spent if that divide wasn't there, they wouldn't have to spend so much money. Um, obviously, the quality of the league may suffer in the Premier League, but look, it's 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 um, that's going to be the case. If, um, but for me, yeah, redistributing that wealth will certainly solve a lot of issues. I think parachute payments should just be scrapped altogether. And if there's not as much of a divide between how much is being spent between the two leagues, then I don't think there's any need for it. Quite frankly. Um, just the next question is from WBA Joe, who asks a very simple question. He wants to know, at this stage, who do we think is going up? <laughs> um, 
I mean, I don't want to say who's going up because it would just bite me in the arse, but you've got the likes of Bournemouth and Fulham who are in that top two bracket at the moment and they are performing much better than everybody else, more consistently than everybody else. West Brom faltering a little bit, um, but then the rest of the sides, I think it's I think it's genuinely up for grabs. The rest of the top six, Coventry, Stoke and, and QPR, Coventry have been the more consistent side out of those those, uh, those three sides. But then you've got the likes of Swansea, Luton, Forest, Middlesbrough and Chris Wilder now. I think they're all outside shouts for a playoff finish. And then once you get in the playoffs, it's, it's up in the air, isn't it? It's anybody's game then. But genuinely, I think Bournemouth and Fulham are, are, are coasting to that top two. I think you've said it in the past. West Brom faltering a little bit, but then the rest of the sides... It's, it's up for grabs. It really is. Spot on. I think the top two for me, unless there is a drastic, drastic change at those top two sides, I can't see a, anyone else finishing automatically promoted the season than uh, Bournemouth and Fulham. Um, they just look head and shoulders above the rest, quite frankly, whereas West mm-hmm. Brom are kind of in their own individual league where they're not as good as those two but better than the rest of the team. So I could easily see them finishing third. Whether that gets you promoted or not is a is never guaranteed is it because the playoffs is just a complete lottery um so it's all about who finishes in the playoffs from that point it's quite it's a bit of a shame that you know automatic promotion is looking as simple as that this season even though we're only in november i, I just honestly cannot see anyone else pipping those two to automatic yeah. promotion this season but as for, as for the playoffs um I can see Sheffield United get back in there if we have this infamous Slavisa Jokanovic upturn in the second half of the season. West Brom will be in there. And then you've got the two extra spaces, which could go to honestly anyone at the moment. It's so up for grabs that uh, those final two top six places, if it does end up, as I've just said. Um, Justin, here's another question which we always get asked during Q&As. VAR in the Championship, yes or no? That was asked by Radford Enio. One million percent yes. I've I've campaigned for this ever since we started the podcast. VR has to be uh, filtered down into the championship. Um, I go back to the Blackpool QPR game where Blackpool's goal was ruled out um, because Gary Medim's foot was over the line when he put it in. I mean, he, I think he might have been in offside position. I don't think he actually was, but the line he pulled it back for offside. It wasn't offside that's three points to Blackpool potentially massive in the grand scheme of things whether that's their ambition of finishing away from the relegation zone or even close to the top six um, decisions like that get overruled by VAR VAR has been absolutely brilliant in the Premier League this season we've not really spoken about it which is a good thing which means nothing's controversial is, is happening from uh, from it so yeah absolutely VAR in the Championship because there are too, there's too much at stake now in the Championship with a lot of clubs um, for it not to be the case. I know it's expensive, but it is what it is. You've, you've got to pay for it. You've got, you'll start to see the rewards from it. I always said before that VAR, I wasn't against. It just needed to change. And now it has changed, as you said, in the Premier League this season. I think it's been fantastic. And we saw in the Euros how it was used really, really well. And there were barely mm-hmm. any controversies around it. So I think VAR has finally been sorted out now. And then I'd be all for it coming into the Championship at this point, I think. Um whether it comes in is another question. Uh, as you say, I think it will be expensive because they'll have to not only have the technology, they'll also have to have a lot more cameras in the in the grounds. Um, and extra officials. And extra officials. So there's a lot to account for there and there's more games than there is in the Premier League as well. So um, 
and when that's all happening at three o'clock on a on a Saturday, I'm not sure if that's going to be actually feasible. But nonetheless, I would be for it. How realistic it is, and whether we will see it in the championship yeah. in the next few seasons or so, I'm a bit more sceptical about. Matt Scott asks, "Do you think Forrest will be able to keep hold of Jed Spence in January?" Now, this follows the news that Middlesbrough have a recall clause, um, but he has been brilliant at the City Ground this season, hasn't he? It depends. Yeah, yeah, he has to answer your question straight away. He has been fantastic. He's been probably one of the standout performers for Forrest, alongside Max Lowe, um, especially under Steve Cooper. Um, I think uh, if it depends where Borough see Spence going. If they see him staying at Forrest and then leaving at the end of the season permanently, then yeah, he'll probably stay at Forrest. However... Now Borough have got a new manager in in the uh, the likes of Chris Wilder. I think things change drastically, especially if he does opt for that three five two, because Jed Spence has quite clearly shown that he's one of the best right wing backs in the division this season, um, and that's clearly going to be an asset. I don't think there's a player like him at Borough in the sense of his um, attacking endeavours. Um, so yeah, I do think Borough will be looking to activate that recall clause because Chris Wilder, as I say, if he plays that system, he's going to need him. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Spence was clearly not favoured by Warnock for whatever reason. But unfortunately for Forest fans, I think Burrow almost certainly going to recall him in January. It was a weird move in the first place for me. Oh, strange. Yeah, because yeah, he, he was a promising player. Admittedly, he was a bit inconsistent at times, but lending him out to a side of a similar stature was always mm. a bit strange to me, considering he was one of their most promising players players at the club so yeah it was a weird one and I think now that Chris Wilder is there I can almost definitely see him um, going back there considering Wilder likes to play with wing backs and they've been having to play Marcus Tavernier at right wing back on occasions this season haven't they so there's a big Jed Spence shaped hole in this Middlesbrough team at the moment Mm. and he'll I think he'll definitely go back there which is really bad news for Forrest whether they uh, look to replace him in January I'm not sure, but um, yeah, unfortunately, Matt, I think uh, Jed Spence is not longing for the city ground. Lukey G asks, which team will struggle through the winter period the most? Now, an interesting question, Justin. How did you go about answering it? Um, you've got to look at the teams who have got thin squads because the the fixtures really ramp up over winter. The pitches yeah. get heavier. You look at last season, almost every single pitch suffered and there was quite a lot of injuries that were being picked up. Um, I know that was due to COVID and teams not being able to relay pitches over the summer, but um, that that is a very good way of uh, sort of bringing about how, how important it is to to keep players and keep squads rotating. Um, so you're looking at the likes of Derby, who've got a tiny squad, they're really going to suffer um, over that Christmas period. There's going to be four or five games in the space of 14 days, which is a, well, probably even a little bit more than that, but it's, it's a heavy amount of games, a lot on the legs. Then you're looking at Middlesbrough. Um, Birmingham City have been very consistent with their their starting 11s as well this season. Um, because Even they started to suffer around the busy period during October. So, yeah, the teams that have got the older players... Um, uh, well, high star, higher average age and a small squad are really gonna really gonna start to suffer over over that winter period. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, people may hear you say Derby and be like, "Really? That's not much of a shout, is it?" But considering Derby have only lost five games all season, then I think we could really start to see them getting a few more L's, considering mm-hmm. they have got such a thin squad. Birmingham are an interesting shout, I think. They're quite a good side, but have had picked, quite a few injuries picked up recently. 
and mm-hmm. with some of the news that we were talking about last week with Riley McGree um, being recalled in January um, and as I mentioned players picking up injuries they could be a team who struggles a team I picked out just in Huddersfield because I think they've got quite a thin squad but they're also a side who have been overperforming in the data side of things because when you look at their expected goals they haven't been performing particularly well and um, I think their strike force is really letting them down this season they're really struggling to create chances and when they do create Mm. chances um, those strikers have really um, not been hitting the back of the net as frequently as you might expect so Huddersfield were the side that I picked out but I think Birmingham are a decent shout because of the lack of numbers they've got in the squad and then Derby's just an obvious one because of uh, the obvious concerns that we've had with them (laughs) and because it's the January transfer window coming up which could be a bit of a fire sale for the Rams Uh, this is a really interesting question Justin and you may take a minute for people to actually realise what we're actually talking about here. Dave McNally asks, excluding Bournemouth and Fulham, if you could transfer one player from one championship team to another to make the biggest impact, who would it be? Interested to see who you say. Trying to decipher it in my head. Um, So if I take, for example, Carlin Grant from West Brom and I put him in Nottingham Forest... Yeah, he would have the biggest impact. Okay, who, who um, would have the biggest impact? I'll tell you who yeah, I went yeah. for. I picked out two. I went for Ben Brereton and Diaz to West Brom. The reason I said him is because West Brom are desperately lacking mm. a Daryl DK kind of striker that uh, Ishmael had at Barnsley last season. And I was going through the players from all the Championship sides, and Ben Brereton and Diaz playing as that central striker, I thought would be perfect for someone like West Brom in the way that he's a big. He's a big bruiser as well in Tia Diaz. Um, He's a big physical specimen that can also score goals. So that's the one person I picked out. The other person I picked out was John Swift of Birmingham. And the reason I say that is because I think Birmingham are a side who lack a bit of creativity in the middle of the park. And I think Swift is, you know, top of top of the tree isn't he really when it comes to mm-hmm. number eights who provide creativity from deep but can also do it forward as well um so they're two i picked out what do you think uh at the top of my head i'll go victor gurkarez to reading we've said that reading have, have got this lucas Zhao shaped hole at the top yeah. of the pitch they're, they're literally just a, a lucas Zhao away from being a fairly good side um because they've been able to grind out games they've just not been able to put chances away and and often create chances. you look at john swift you've mentioned him to birmingham city being creative if you put a, a goal scorer in front of him but only a goal scorer Giacarez is, is a player who can run the channels he can press he can run with the ball as well which is really important um very flexible in that sense and very fluid um i think putting him in that reading side will we'll see reading climb up the table other ones um ben brighton diaz is, is a good shout maybe to somewhere like bristol city um because again, Brembert can do everything with the ball. Put him in a Bristol City side um, who lack that impetus going forwards, that physicality and pace combined. Because they've got Chris Martin who's physical, but he's not very quick. They've got Andy Vyman who's quick, but not necessarily a very physical. Um, Brembert is efficient finisher, changes that Bristol City side quite quickly for me. Yeah, interesting shouts. An interesting conversation as well, one that's possibly revisit on another day. Mm, that's a good question. Um, We've got three questions left, Justin, um, all very different to the ones that we've had so far. Lewis Hendo wants to know our worst ever away day experience. I had to ask my dad uh, about this because I, I go to every game with him. Um, I went to Coventry City away in 05-06 under Derby, who were managed by Phil Brown, and um, we lost 6-1, and it was just horrendous. It was cold, it was miserable, and obviously we got battered 
6-1 away from home. Another one would be, again, Derby got battered away at Forest in 0-2-0-3, where, again, quite a cold night. Um, it, was not, it was a night game, very good atmosphere, but Darren Hooker be absolutely ripped Derby a new one. And Derby played Tommy Mooney on the right wing. And if anyone remembers Tommy Mooney, and I'm sure you don't, he's not a winger. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to figure out mine because... It depends what you base it on, isn't it? whether it's like a soul-crushing result, an embarrassing mm. defeat. Um, but I, I was going more down the path of what's the worst away ground I've ever been to. And the first one that popped to my head was Doncaster at Bellevue. You know you know, it's the keep moat now, but Bellevue was, quite frankly, a real shithole. <laughs> it was. It, it, it was, but it was, not, it was a nice throwback. It was a nice no, throwback. <laughs> There's nice oh. throwbacks. Like Kenilworth Road for me is a nice yeah. throwback to how grounds used to be. Bellevue was an absolute dump. It was one it caught, of the worst grounds I've ever seen. I think it caught fire about 10 years ago as well. Obviously, Doncaster had moved grounds at this point, but it was set on fire by some arsonists, which may have done, may have done, the, may have done a few people a favour there. <laughs> Probably improved it. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of other crap grounds. Mm. What was... Rotherham's grounds before the New York Stadium. I went there. Plainmore, I think. Yeah, that was a horrible ground as well. It was freezing, and I remember the toilets had no windows. There was no roof either, I don't think. So that was awful. Um, Another crap ground, which I never went to, but everyone always said it was the crappiest of crap grounds, was Lair Road for Colchester. I I was going to say Lair Road, because I I, I went to Lair Road, and um, again, it was was a crap result for Derby, because Jamie Curitan lobbed uh, Lee Camp, uh, and Derby lost 4-3. But literally, you're packed so tight, um, you could you could almost touch the other side of like the the the, the home fans because obviously not that far away from them it was very very tight very uncomfortable. Yeah, that, that's what I'm going for as worst away day experience. Not you know individual things that have actually happened to me. I've, I've mm. had it before where we've scored and then there's been a pile on coming on from the back of you and my legs been bending ways that it shouldn't have done. <laughs> um, but in terms of actual horrible grounds, they're the three that stand out for me. The away stand at Ellen Road is genuinely horrendous. <laughs> it is absolutely horrendous. And every fan, I'm sure, will agree with me on that. It's just, it needs knocking down, to be honest with you. It's not very nice. I don't remember it being that bad, but I was at the front. So maybe... We're at maybe the back. That's... It's not nice. It's not no, good. Okay, fair enough. Um, Matt Strickland asks, how do you guys pick who to come on the show? each week um, I'll answer this one Justin because I'm the person who organises it the, yeah, the way yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> uh, the way I do it is I literally just think to myself who hasn't been on the show for quite some time because I like to you know keep it you know even how many people we have um, on the show who what representatives of which team we have on the show I, I like to you know have a good go around of each club as much as possible. Obviously, there are some clubs who we go to more often because some are more interesting than others. But that that's mainly how I go about it. Because if there's, you know, for last week, uh, we had Carlo on from Redfordport, didn't we? Um, to mm-hmm. talk about Marcus Schott being sacked. So that that's an example of when we'll have someone on who's been in the news. Otherwise, it's just me thinking to myself, which team haven't we had on for a while? OK, we'll get them on. Um and that answers that question, I think. Final question, Justin. Elgera asks, where are you guys, when are you guys, sorry, going to sell pod-themed merch? Justin, any thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I mean, it depends if there's a demand for it. Uh, if people want pod theme merch, pod themed merch, we can we can uh, cook some stuff up. I know there's some some strange quotes that we've said in the past, like Russian Harry. That was a that was a good one that's back in the day, wasn't? One. Yeah, that's a, that's an old school one. Um, I mean, yeah, if people want merch, then put a, put a request in. We can maybe sort you out. Um, I don't think I think we've only got a, a hoodie and. Uh, mugs between ourselves we need to merge ourselves up a little bit better as well which definitely falls into my uh my category so i'll uh i'll get i'll get us sorted with something and then maybe, maybe people like it we yeah, could put an order in if people are interested let us know and uh yeah we may come up with something and um, that's it for the questions justin this week they're the best ones that we had so next time we have a q a make sure you get involved on twitter and uh, we'll endeavor to answer your question as soon as possible uh, right let's have a quick break just enough that we'll talk about some of the news from the past few days including steve morrison being appointed as the new cardiff boss back to the second tier podcast we'll talk about some of the news from the past few days in the championship very shortly but before we do that let's tell you about who knows wins this is the app where you can join a league um, and if you answer the most correct championship results correctly i nearly made that made sense if you get the most correct championship results you can win big prizes all you've got to do is guess a home win a draw or an away win it's from all the 3pm kickoffs next saturday and uh, whoever gets the most correct wins the jackpot um justin well before we go into the news we'll just quickly run through all the fixtures at three o'clock next saturday see what we're thinking ahead of those games so we'll begin with bristol city blackburn which way do you see it going oh it's a bristol city home game blackburn not very good away i'll go draw i'll go blackburn fulham barnsley Mm, Fulham yeah Fulham Huddersfield West Brom Uh, draw draw clash of styles I'll go West Brom Hall Birmingham Hall Birmingham that has draw written all over it I'll go Birmingham Borough Millwall Mm, Millwall I'll go Borough Chris Powder's first game yeah exactly party poopers Millwall aren't they Preston Cardiff um, Cardiff. Mm, I'll go draw. Reading Forest. I'll go Forest. Yeah, I'll go Forest. Stoke Peterborough. I'll go Stoke. I'll go Stoke and Swansea Blackpool. Ooh, uh, I'll go. It's uh, a hard one. I'll go draw. Um. I'll go Swansea. I'll go Swansea for that one. So that's Who Knows Wins. Make sure you join our league every Saturday to win big prizes, all just by correctly predicting the most correct results from championship games. It's that simple, ladies and gentlemen. As always, please gamble responsibly and when the fun stops, stop. Now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news and we'll begin with Cardiff, who have appointed Steve Morrison as their manager on a permanent basis. It follows a spell as caretaker boss where he won one, drawn one and lost one. Former Bluebirds defender Mark Hudson has rejoined the club as a coach as well. Just in your reaction to this news. Yeah, I got some pelters from Cardiff fans after we released a clip in the, in the week about what we thought about Steve Morrison being appointed uh, permanent manager. I think it's uh, I think it's fine. I think it's an okay appointment. 
Um, I do think Cardiff have, have settled with Morrison. I think they were potentially holding out for somebody else, maybe like Wilder. And also he went to Borough, so they they fell back on, uh, on Morrison potentially. I'm just speculating. Um, but I think the three games we've had, it's just not a big enough sample size to really pass a judgment on Morrison. I think it's fine. The players are um, are happy under Morrison, which is good. The fans are happy with Morrison, which is good. Positive atmosphere all round, again, which is you know, a, a massive positive for, for Cardiff in general because they'll get their fans will get behind the team and, and the team will respond to it as well. So that's one um, one step in the right direction. I think it's I think it's fine. I think it's okay. It's it's just hard to judge based on three games. Well, it's clear to me Cardiff have gone for the cheap option. Um, mm. It's been well spoken about recently on this show, hasn't it? That Cardiff are struggling for money a bit, considering they've got plenty of high earners at the club. And it seemed like they were either going to go for Flynn, Michael Flynn of Newport, uh, now a free agent, um, and Steve Morrison. So it was going to be one or the other, and they weren't going to fork out for someone like Chris Wilder, for example. Mm. Um so it made sense that they went for Morrison. I stand by what we said last week where he hasn't particularly impressed me much in the three games that we've seen so far. Sure, it's an improvement on what was going on under Mick McCarthy because things were terrible there. But I haven't seen enough to say that he's going to be a definite success because I think they have been pretty poor in two and a half of their last three games. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm reserving judgment for now. Um I think it's going to be interesting to see how he does, considering he's got a fantastic record um, managing the under-23 side, Mm -hmm. whether that's a sign of things to come for Cardiff. Obviously, they'll hope it is, but I'm not too sure myself. Um, I I think we'll just wait and see. I'm not convinced, but I'm willing to um, wait a bit longer to pass judgment on this one. Um, Justin Darby is set to be deducted the full 21 points. Of course, they were given a 12-point deduction for going into administration. The club had appealed that after claiming it was down to extraordinary circumstances, in this case because of COVID, but that's seemingly been rejected. Then there's also a nine-point deduction, which is because of Derby breaking financial rules. The club was hoping to negotiate that down, but appear to have failed there too. Justin, 21 points is a big old hurdle to cross, isn't it? And... For your money, does that mean Derby are pretty much relegated this season? I think based purely on numbers, yes, it does. I think there's a little tiny, tiny bit of hope from the fan inside me that says, come on, we can do it. Surely we can. Bit of fight, we can do it. Um, but that is that is genuinely just it's like being in a sinking ship. It's um, blind optimism. It's blind optimism. You know, you're hoping for the best, expecting the worst, and that's generally been the case for the past two years under Derby. Um, I think I'm generally just a little bit relieved it's done, and and everybody can move on because it's just been kicking the stomach after kicking the stomach, the odd kicking the balls as well. It's not been nice being a Derby fan over the last two years, um, and it's also a big middle finger to Mel Morris because this is his legacy. He's completely screwed things up at Derby and he goes down as the worst owner in their history yeah 100% um, I think if if it was just the 12 actually if Derby hadn't had a points deduction at all and they were just left with the squad that they had now um, I think they probably would have still gone down because it is so mm-hmm. thin and as the season went on it was always going to be a battle for them to you know, stay up. Um, with, as things stand, if they didn't have the points deduction, then they'd be on 18 points and that's just two places above 
the relegation zone. So I, I think it was catching up with them, the reality mm-hmm. of the situation with uh, the lack of players they've actually got and the lack of quality as well. Because we have got to remember this club only just stayed up by the skin of their teeth last season and the squad is yeah. arguably weaker now. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it was always going to be a struggle and now this just means that Derby have to look ahead to the future really. A new owner is obviously the priority at the moment, getting someone in to sort out the debt and uh, get the club back on an even footing. Um, After that, then it's just looking ahead to League One next season and trying to get back into the Championship as soon as possible. Hopefully, uh, trying to retain as many of the players they've got at the moment as well will go some way to helping things, but I struggle to see. It's going to be interesting to see, I should say, what the squad will look like next season because I feel like it could be incredibly different to the one we've got now. Um, so it's all about looking ahead to the future for Derby, really. And Justin, there was a massive blow for Stoke as defender Harry Souter was stretched off with a knee injury while playing for Australia in the week. The Socceroos boss, Graham Arnold, admitted after the game it's very serious. And if it is going to be a season-ending kind of injury, that is horrible, horrible news for Stoke, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 not great. Obviously, he's been unbelievable this season, hasn't he? He's been a key performer for for Stoke. Um, so for him to get injured on international duty, um, you know, proves Arsene Wenger and Sir Alex Ferguson right. International breaks were an absolute pain in the ass. Um, but, but yeah, I'm devastated for him because it's been. Um, I mean, he was good last season, but this has been a real breakout season for him, and it's a massive blow for Stoke. Um, I mean, in the middle of that defence, he's a he's almost a quarterback as well, isn't he? He's, he? He gets he gets the play going so brilliantly as well with with a lot of good good passing moves. Um, so yeah, devastated for him, dev- devastated for Stoke as well. But um, you know, hopefully he can get over it quite quick. Hopefully it's not as serious as it sounds as well. I mean, there's still still this, um, the the length of it to be to be determined. Hopefully it's not as bad. Well, there's speculation that he may even miss the World Cup next year. <laughs> That's a year away. No, so yeah. if it's that bad, then it's a really, really shocking blow for for both Stoke, Australia and uh, Suter himself. Um, it's a real shame because Suter has been, for me, probably the best centre-half in the division this season. Um, and I think he was destined to be in the Premier League, maybe in January, maybe next summer. Um, obviously losing him from a Stoke perspective, would have been sad, but at least they would have got a decent payout for him. We're talking at least £20 million in my book. Um, now, who knows? Um, what it means from a Stoke perspective this season is they're going to m- massively miss out on the best defender in the, the division for my money. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to fill that gap with probably either Danny Batts or James Chester and both are lacking legs now. <laughs> in the kindest way possible. That's kind. That's kind. Yeah. It, it's just a real shame that Stoke have you know, you know that they've obviously missed Tyrese Campbell now for the best part of a year. They've lost Nick Nick Powell in the last yep. few weeks as well from an, an injury which isn't as serious as those two, but serious nonetheless. Um, and we're never going to see all these players together because aside with a, a spine of Campbell, Powell and Suter all together, completely 100% fit. You know, that's one of the best spines you've got. And I think Stoke, when you look at it player for player, when everyone is 100% fit, they've probably got one of the best teams in the division, bar the relegated size. So it's a real shame. And what this means for Stoke now, I think it's a real blow. And I would have had them down as probably finishing in the top six come the end of the season if 
they had a fit Harry Suter for the rest of the season. But if he misses the rest of the season now, then I, I, I can't see that happening, unfortunately. That's how big a blow I think this is. Um, Justin, let's move on to frustrating news. We've kind of t- uh, touched on it already, so I won't spend too much time talking about this. But the Daily Mail is reporting that the Premier League and EFL have failed to come to an agreement on financial distribution and parachute payments. The Football League is looking for a bigger share of the cash the top flight gets from TV. Um, won't spend too much time talking about this, Justin, because as I say, we did just mention it. But uh, thoughts on that? Um, the EFL are notably bad negotiators. The TV deal they negotiated a couple of years ago got widespread criticism from a lot of owners in the in the EFL. Um but then again you've got to look at the Premier League and go, you know, a lot of players that come and fill fill the, the, the Premier League, they, they come from the EFL. We look at the international talent that comes from um championship sides into the Premier League. It's massive. It just makes sense. It just makes sense. And obviously trying trying to convince people to part of money in the best of terms is very, very difficult. Um and obviously you don't want to empower your rivals by giving them more money do you so naturally they're going to say no to it um it's going to be a long drawn out process this uh and lots of discussions to be to be had just just yeah as you say frustrating is a key word there oh, it's not just talking about the divide between the Premier League and the EFL, I think plenty of clubs are going to go out of business if there isn't some sort of intervention soon. And I think you're looking towards government for intervention because the Premier League clubs, because Lord knows they're all greedy as anything. That's It's all they care about. They only care about money at the end of the day, isn't it? It's the Wild Wild West. Exactly, exactly. And without... They're not going to be willingly giving over the money. So it's up to the government, really, to jump in here and say, this needs to change. Otherwise... Clubs are going to go out of business. That's the only way I can see anything happening because Lord knows the EFL aren't going to get anything from it from the sounds of it. Um, And if that doesn't happen, then we're going to be left with a serious problem on our hands. Uh, Justin, this is interesting. According to the Mirror, controversial ex-Watford owner Lawrence Bassini is looking at taking over Birmingham. Bassini owned the Hornets for a year before selling the club in 2012. He was banned for three years from serving as a director of any club. After a panel ruled, he was dishonest with the league and his fellow directors, and he was slammed for his secrecy and deception. Um, He sounds like the kind of person, Justin, who shouldn't pass a fit and proper test. Yeah, yeah, they should be anywhere near football. It's, it's. I don't know why he keeps trying. It's. I'm trying to think back to something I'm, 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 I'm terrible at, and I knew I was terrible at. So I stopped. I went in goal once from a for a Saturday side when I was about eighteen. I conceded ten goals. Never went in goal ever again. Um. So what I'm trying to say is, I was terrible at doing that certain thing. So I didn't try again. Obviously, you can learn from it. Um. And well, the thing is, Lawrence Pacini hasn't. He's he's plunged clubs into. Uh, yeah, uh, debt and and whatever you go back to Watford, um, they were they were they were on the brink, um, and then the whole Bolton saga as well, where he was stood on was he stood on top of a car or something and and shouting from the rooftops. It's yeah, he's a bizarre he's a bizarre man, bizarre personality. And again, should be nowhere near football ownership, especially not Birmingham City. Well, I was reading up on stories about him, and uh, these are only reports, I should say, but he also called the police when a trusted member of Watford's staff refused to hand over the keys to the club's safe. Um, And he also (laughs) sent gloating text messages to Graham Taylor after the Hornets lost the playoff final in 2013. So I I, I don't think this guy should be anywhere near football clubs anymore. It sounds like he's a bit of a weapon. Um, And I think... think, I think he should just be banned from being anywhere near clubs in general. If someone 
gets banned from serving as a director of a club for any amount of time, then I think that should just be permanent, quite frankly. Because I can't see. It just makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I don't see how it can be good. I mean, Birmingham's owners at the, at the moment, I don't think, are the best out there. But nonetheless, I, I can't see how Bassini would be an improvement. Um, Justin Cardiff will become the first Championship club to have safe standing in the new year. Premier League and Championship clubs were given the chance to apply for a licence for safe standing from January. Cardiff were the only second tier side to take up that offer. Do you think Cardiff could set a bit of a precedent for future Championship clubs? I think they can, but this 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 pissed me off because um, Cardiff makes perfect sense. But the fact that you've got uh, what five of the top six clubs in that bracket where they don't attract boisterous crowds to say the least like how often do you see away ends absolutely going off in the Premier League I uh, don't mean as any disrespect to any supporters but it happens more often in the, the lower tiers I remember ending up three rows in front when Jack Marriott scored against Leeds in the playoff semi-final and it hurt um, now if they were safe standing it might not have hurt as much um, but what I'm saying is it makes sense to have more teams in the lower tier where they where they attract bigger, more boisterous away crowds than it does to get teams in the top five teams where most of them generally are tourists. I, I see what you mean. Um, that, that was a long, convoluted way of getting your point across, but I, I, you got there in the end. Well done. Um, the Premier League has confirmed matches will pause after the 13th of November next year to accommodate the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Fixtures will resume on Boxing Day with the final of the tournament due to be held on the 18th of December. Uh, next season will start on the 6th of August before finishing on the 28th of May in 2023. Now, obviously, we don't care about the Premier League, Justin, because... Um, but I included this because I'm guessing the championship next season will be very similar. And I don't know about you, but I'm thinking a month and a half of no championship football. That's a lot of content for us to fill, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So please, anyone, <laughs> send your ideas. Uh, and also 40, 46 games in between the 6th of August and, and, and the 28th of May. Jesus Christ, we're going to be busy as well. Oh, God. I Everyone's going to be busy. Like yeah. yeah. Hopefully the yeah. championship starts marginally earlier, but... Oh, God, that sends a shiver down my spine. It's going to be like last season all over again. <laughs> and finally, Justin, according to the Daily Mail, 17 EFL clubs will wear their away kits at home on Boxing Day to raise funds and awareness for homeless charity shelter, which is a nice story, isn't it? Mm, very nice. Very Big nice. thumbs up. Now, Justin, it's time for our new game. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this game is called Scott High or Jason Lowe. You'll never guess what, Justin. It's essentially higher or lower. And mm. I'm going to give you six statements. All you've got to do is guess whether that statement is Scott High or Jason Lowe compared to the previous number. The number you're going to start with is 23. Are you ready to take on Scott High or Jason Lowe, Justin? Yeah, go on then. Let's go. <laughs> I'm interested to see how you do here. Oh, by the way, if you get one wrong, that's it. You've got to pass with flying colours here, I'm afraid. Fantastic. Can't Good wait. Stuff. Can't wait Good to go stuff. on the first one. So your first number is 23, and the first question is this. Uh, the highest number of goals Jordan Rhodes has scored in a championship season, is it Scott High or Jason Lowe? <laughs> Higher or lower? Um, I th- uh, <laughs> actually quite difficult, because he scored like 40 for Huddersfield, didn't he? But that's in League One. Um, I'm going to say Jason Lowe. So you're saying lower? Yes. You're out already. Well done. <laughs> For God's sake. <laughs> I 
hang on, you, surely you'd have thought Jordan, Jordan Rhodes scored more than 23 goals in a season. Yeah, but he, he's never finished as a championship top scorer. Um, and when he was in that bracket, there was like Daryl Murphy who hit 27, there was Vidra, yeah, there wasn't many teams that, there wasn't many strikers that he outscored. Glenn Murray as well was another one. That's my thinking there. It's just logical. I can't oh, believe you're falling the first hurdle. My God. I told you I would. Uh, the actual number was 27. He scored 27 in one season. Uh, are you sure? I, I'm 100% sure. Okay. Do, you want to, do, you want, do you want to start again? Shall we start with Jordan Rhodes 27? Yeah, I okay. win. Next I feel one. like we haven't given a good enough go of this quiz so far. Um, so 27 is your new number. Your next one is this. The capacity of the Coventry Building Society Arena in the thousands, rounded up to the nearest thousand. Is it Scott High or Jason Lowe? Scott High. What do you think it is? Uh, it's 30,000. It is Scott High. Its capacity is 32,609, so 33 for the context of this quiz. So well done, Justin. Next one is this. The age of Bournemouth defender Steve Cook. Is it Scott High or Jason Lowe than 33? He looks older than he uh, than he is. He's, uh, he's Jason Lowe. It's lower than 33. I think he's like 31. He's 30. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. It is Jason Lowe. I always thought he was like mid-30s. I didn't realise he was still only 30. It's that hair transplant, I think. <laughs> Took years off him. No comment. Um, ready for the <laughs> next one? Go on in. I'm flying through it. Yeah, you're doing all right now, after that first hiccup. The longest number of games Reading went undefeated in the 2005-06 season. Is it Scott High or Jason Lowe than 30? They lost two all seasons, so I think it's... Uh, I think it's lower. I think it's... Uh, <laughs> uh, no, Scott High, it must be like 32. It's 33. So it's Scott High. You're absolutely correct. Well done there, Justin. Um, second last one. If we just ignore the first one about Jordan Rhodes, then you're absolutely fine. You're flying through this. So 33 is your number. Second last one. According to his Wikipedia, what are the number of clubs? What is the number of clubs Steve Claridge played for in his career? Is it Scott High or Jason Lotham 33? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. Oh my god. I think it's he must be pushing like forty clubs. I'm gonna say Scott High. Scott Higher than thirty three. Yeah. According to his Wikipedia, he played for thirty different clubs. Oh so, so it was Jason Lowe. There you Still go. A lot. So So you've that's another one you've lost there. So you'd normally be you'd be out, but we'll finish off with this last one just because we're here for the bit of fun, aren't we, Justin? Yeah, um, on, yeah. What number is it? 30. So, final question. The age of the youngest ever manager in the championship. Is it Scott High or Jason Lowe than 30? Blimey. Um, that's difficult, that. Are we talking caretakers or do, are they permanent? I think just permanent. Well, I think Brendan Rodgers may have been the youngest when he went to Watford. He must have been like 31 or 32. Um, I'm going to say Scott High. Higher than 30? Yeah. The age of the youngest ever manager in the championship was Gary Caldwell for Wigan in 2015. He was 32. So it was Scott High. Well done, Justin. 
In an ordinary yeah. week, yeah. you would have lost, but you got yeah, yeah. two two out of six, which ain't bad going. Two out, two, I got two out of six, or four no, out of six. four out of six, four out of six. Sorry, so, yeah. How yeah. dare you? How dare you take away my correct answers? Um, I'm I'm relative. I thought the first one was hard. Well, I thought that was the easiest one. That's why I put it first. I clearly know more about Steve Cook's age and and what have you. Oh yeah, and uh, the number of clubs. Well, actually, you didn't get that one, did you, Steve? No, Curry, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, there we go. That's our new game, Scott High or Jason Lowe. Whether it ever returns again, we'll have to wait and see. But it was nice to try something different, wasn't it, Justin? It's always nice. Yeah, always nice to try something different. Might might put sugar in my coffee next. Who knows? Who knows? Let's have a weekend of just doing crazy things that are different. <laughs> uh, so this has been the Second Tier Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening wherever you are. We don't do this very often, but if you wouldn't mind leaving us a review and a rating on whatever platform you listen to this on, especially Apple Podcasts, um, then we'd be eternally grateful. Make sure you tell your friends about us as well, because that will go down very well with us too. Um, anything like that helps us grow massively. So we'd really appreciate it if you were to go out your way to do such a thing. Um, otherwise, this has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Thursday, won't we, Justin, to preview all the games for the Championship next weekend. So we look forward to seeing you then. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.